you know, we don't, we don't serve a, a, a book. Uh, we don't serve rules. And uh, we have a, a risen Savior that is our Lord. And, um, and He knows us. And when we travel through those times like that, we, we learn and we know Him. Um, and that's real. Uh, don't do enough of that, of just uh, letting the people of God share how, how God is real and how He's manifested Himself in their lives and in their situations through the years. We have too much of an experience-driven faith today with regard to we just show up, we never connect, and we leave, and, and we're no different, really. Uh, faith is much deeper than that. Being a part of a, the family of God is much deeper than that. And, uh, and when we share and we're honest and real, that is when faith takes on, I think, uh, a dimension that very, very few people uh, truly understand. Uh, they know. It's just we're dancing around in the shallow water and we're talking about how good we know Jesus and, and uh, we don't because we never venture into that deeper place. And um, you're going to get there at some point. You're going to get there at some point. And uh, as Brother Steve said, you know, make sure you know him, because you're going to find out real quick if you do. Um, life's tough. Comes at us wide open. God's eternal. He's ever-present. And as we learn today, as we look in Philippians 4, that God always has the supply. Uh, God never is challenged with meeting our needs, our greatest, our deepest needs. And uh, just a great transition, a segue into the message this morning as we look at this idea of giving. Uh, as we are going to go through the very last sermon of this series of God's design for a healthy church. And by the way, <clears throat> you know, over the last Really, since I've been in the ministry for uh, around 20 years now, uh, I don't think I've ever had as many uh, comments about a, a sermon series as I have of this one, of just people sharing with me how messages have really spoken to them and, and, uh, and just giving me feedback, and I appreciate that. Uh, it just helps me to understand and know that, you know, I'm over the target where God wants me to be. And that's a good thing. And so uh, I pray that you'll continue to, to uh, follow the Lord and the commitments that you've made. And may today's sermon also enrich you as we look at this, at this idea of giving. And what, is, what does that really mean? And Paul gives us great context. And that's the joy of looking through the New Testament. Of where we see these principles uh, take on and really just flesh themselves out in real time of what that means. And there's... Today in the sermon, there's three specific areas that Paul talks about this idea of giving. And so just keep that in mind as we go through it this morning. Uh, Philippians 4, we're going to begin in verse 10. And if you would, uh, let's stand this morning as we honor the reading of God's Word. <clears throat> verse 10 of Philippians 4. Paul says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. 
For I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. And everywhere and in all things I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, and both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And nevertheless, you've done well that you shared in my distress. And now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica you sent aid once again and for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God the Fa- and Father be glory forever and ever. Uh, amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Father, we love you today. God, we thank you for the privilege of being able to call you our Lord and Savior. And I pray this morning, God, that as we have uh, gathered, that, Lord, you would open up your word to us, that, God, you would bless the hearer this morning, that we would not just hear it, but that, God, we would be busy about doing uh, what you reveal to us as your will in your word. Lord, you're good, you're gracious, you're loving. And God, we understand we are a blessed people. We've been given much, and much is expected from us. God, help us to give sacrificially, honorably, understanding the reality that that wherever our treasure, wherever our money is, our heart is ultimately going to follow that. So Lord, may we invest this morning uh, into the kingdom's work, eternal work, uh, that will never perish. God, give us the wisdom to see and learn and be challenged today from your word. In Christ's name I pray, amen. And you may be seated. I have through my ministry uh, always, as much as I can, not that I don't preach topically from time to time, but, but I am an expository preacher. I, I just take a paragraph or two in context and that, that's how I do it. That's how I was taught. And I do that because I feel like that that's, that's the, the way to not take things out of context and get confused. And I just feel like that's what God calls us to do, line by line and precept upon precept. And so, and when you do that, you just, you just deal with what's in the text. It's not that the preacher's picking something out, although we have to do that from time to time. Uh, and God certainly leads us to do that. But just when you just, if it's there, you have to deal with it. It avoids a lot of other things that can get in the way and can cause people to stumble. So as a point of my ministry, I've never been one to just preach heavy on the idea of, of giving. And sometimes, you know, people go into great depths of trying to guilt people into doing things. I've, I found out that just from watching others do that, I don't think that's very effective <laughs> at all. And so I, I, I seldomly ever preach on the subject of giving unless the text Mentions it, mentions it. And so here we are in the very last uh, sermon of this series. And this final few paragraphs that Paul writes is about the issue of giving. Now I want you to understand something about giving. And Paul shares this principle throughout the New Testament. That giving is both a 
privilege for Christian people first and foremost. And it is a means to a couple of ends, okay? God has a reason for telling us to give and to invest in kingdom work. We learn to obey God because giving is a part of being obedient. And also it's a part of worship. And it helps in us to develop faith. Develop faith. Um, Young people will realize one day that they're going to grow up and they're going to be an adult. And for me, uh, and it varies, but, but people could ask the question, when did you feel like an adult? And some people say, well, I felt like an adult when I went here, I went there, I did this. And For me, I felt like an adult the day that I received in the mail a bill that was in my name. That is when I felt like I was an adult because it was my bill and I was going to have to pay it. And it started a process in my mind of, of realizing things. And once that starts, it never stops, right? And so, but here's the thing, when you become an adult and, and you, whatever it is for you uh, that, that made you realize that, and I understand sometimes it's situations that you go through, but, but when you get to a place where the mailbox that you open is your mailbox and it has bills and letters in there that are addressed to you and you have to personally take the responsibility of dealing with those things, you know, hey, you're now an adult. And here's what we understand as adults, that when we look at our bank account and we look at our calendar, it tells us what things are most important to us. It does. Because when the Bible speaks about giving uh, I, I see that in three specific ways. Uh, we give of our time, we give of our talent, and we give of our treasure. Now, when I, when I use talent, I know the Bible uses talent as a measure of money, but I'm using talent as your gift, how God has gifted you, because talent in our culture means that. It's something that you can do, and that you can maybe do well, or you're unique at it. And so when I think about giving, I think about those three things, giving of your time, giving of your talent, and giving of your treasure. Jesus said in Matthew 6 that where your treasure is, is where your heart will be also. And that is why that we, we're, we're to invest in the kingdom. We're to invest in heavenly things. Because if we put our money in heavenly uh, work, in kingdom work, our, our heart will be there. That's where our heart needs to be. We're to set our mind on heavenly things. And boy, we live in a world today where you know, interest rates are up and down. We're, we're now talking about another bank crisis, different things of that nature. You know, retirement accounts are up and down, and uh, there's no certainty in anything in more, anymore. And people tell you, you've got to invest in this, precious metals, gold, silver, whatever. Uh, and we understand in our culture, economy comes and goes. I want to tell you, God's economy never comes and goes. It's eternal in nature, and there's never a downturn. There's never a recession. There's never a depression. There's never a devaluation in God's economy. And when we invest in kingdom work and when we pour our time and our talent and our treasure in the heavenly things, in the kingdom things first, then all of the other ancillary things get taken care of. Because we are people of priority and we are people that understand the importance of preeminence in our lives. And so Paul mentions this idea of giving. In the Old Testament, 
Jesus uh, in Malachi, there's a conversation going on between his people and God, and they think God's being unfair to them. And, and, and God listens to it for a while, and then he begins to present the facts. And he tells them that you're suffering because you don't believe, you don't trust, and you're not faithful. And the reason that you experience the calamity and all these things that you're arguing about is because I can't bless your mess. And then he challenges them. God says, you bring your tithe to the storehouse and you trust me and you test me and you see. If you will be faithful in that, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. Now man, how can, that is a God that understands things. That is a God who is in control. He says, you test me. You test me with what is most valuable and important to you and you see if I don't do much more than you expect. God understands and God commands and God encourages us to give. And Paul is, is, as he's closing this out, he's sharing with the church at Philippi the importance of their giving and why that was important and how we continue as God's people to understand the need to do just that. Again, my time, my talent, and my treasure. And by the way, you know, we, we use this phrase a lot. We say, I just don't have time. But the reality is everybody's got the same amount of time. We really do. My day and your day and everybody's day and week and month and year, it's all the same, right? It's 365.5 days, 24 hours in a day, seven days in your week, seven days in my week. We all have the same amount of time. It's what we're doing with that time. That is what makes a difference. I understand what you, I understand what you say. I understand what you mean. And I'm, I'm, I'm in your world. I get it. I do. But it's what we do with our time. Which is why as an adult, my calendar and my bank account tell me about the things that are most important to me. Okay, and I understand. And, and I'm just going to qualify this. I, I understand we have bills to pay. Okay, I get it. I, I believe me, I get that. What are we investing in? Paul says, number one, we ought to give to send the gospel to others. Now he says in verse 15, he says, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, what was he going to do? He was going to plant churches. He was going to plant churches. On a missionary journey, he said, No church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. He's acknowledging the reality that they believed in the idea of supporting Paul in his work. We do that as a church. We, we are involved in giving both locally, internationally, domestically. We, uh, from a state, we are in the giving and supporting those who take the gospel to a lot of different people in a lot of different situations. We know at Christmas we have our Lottie Moon offering. That money supports international missions all over the world. And, and I had the numbers the other day. It is an unbelievable number of billions of dollars that are spent at Christmas to fund missionary work all over the world. It's, it's unbelievable. That, that's why when some of these Southern Baptist leaders, they get to talking about how we all need to, uh, you know, introspect with the whole white privilege stuff. I just pay them no, no mind. They're absolutely silly and, and, and full of nonsense because you cannot convince me that people have a racial problem when we're spending billions of dollars to reach people that don't look like us with the gospel. So hush. 
Shut up. It's not true. I'm tired of hearing it. We'll move on. But anyway, Annie Armstrong at, at Easter, that money goes to support inter, uh, missions in North America. It goes directly to those that are doing the work. Now, why do we do that? Because we believe in the principle that Paul set forward that it takes a financial involvement in the lives of people who are serving and planning churches and ministering for that gospel message to go forth. If you absolutely want to make sure that people leave this world and head to a Christless eternity, then don't do nothing. That is a sure-fired way for people to leave this world without Christ, to do nothing. And there's plenty of discussion about what works and what don't work, but I am the mindset that doing something is better than doing nothing. And if your something is better than my something, fine. But your nothing's not better than my something. Because I understand, as Paul said, there's a need to give and support the gospel going out and making disciples. It does take money to do that. It absolutely does. And Paul said, nobody else gave, you gave. And he acknowledges that. And Paul also acknowledges something else about mission work. He acknowledges in verse 18, he says, uh, I have all and abound and I am full having received this offering. And notice he says it is a sweet aroma in the nostrils of God. It is an acceptable and pleasing offering unto the Lord. See, as much as Paul said, I'm enjoying it, I needed it, and it fulfilled a need in my life. But he said the greater need here is the obedience unto the Lord. And that's why we give. There's a, a, a beautiful picture of this when Solomon is dedicating his pen, uh, uh, the, the temple over in 2 Chronicles. Now, before, I mean, before you could worship God and get in the presence of God, there had to, first of all, be atonement made. The offering had to be set. The blood offering had to be set. Burnt offering. And, and you had to deal with the sin issue before you could ever even get to the rest of, of worshiping the Lord. And th so they do that. And the Bible says in 2 Chronicles that the fire came out of heaven, it consumed the offering, and you know what the folks did? They put their face to the ground and they said, Worthy, 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 the Lord endures forever. Your love endures forever. Great and mighty is God. They worshipped Him having seen, and the Bible says that His presence filled the temple. And then, but then there's something else that happens. They've praised God. They've made atonement for sin. And then there's something else that happens. The Bible says that Solomon then and the people give an offering. This, this is beyond that requirement to deal with the sin. They've, they're worshiping. They're singing their songs. But it says that now they're going to make an offering. And Solomon doesn't just have a little offering. He gives to the Lord that day 22,000 bulls and 120,000 sheep and goats. They ran out of sheep, had to go get some goats, I guess, or whatever. But there was 120,000 on the Bible. Now, I want you to understand, in our, in our economy today, 
Sheep and goats are not as valuable, and bulls are not, although bulls are valuable. They're not as valuable as they were here. See, what we don't realize and make the connection is here is this is a cost. This is a cost. This, this is an offering, man. This is something that, and, and granted, much had been given to Solomon. The Lord said, I'm going I'm to bless you. All of these other things you did not ask for, you asked to be wise. You asked to know how to, how to deal with God's people and shepherd God's people, uh, you know, and, and, and rule over God's people the right way. I'll give you all of these things. And God gave him enormous wealth. And, and here's a picture of that, of sacrifice, of an offering unto the Lord. And when we are faithful and obedient in that, what does the scriptures tell us? Paul said it is a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. So we give to send the gospel to others. Paul also mentions here, obviously, that, that there is a need to give care for the Christian leaders who plant the churches and missionaries and things of that as well. Notice what Paul says. Verse 14, he talked about his distress. His distress. Have you ever been in distress? Have you ever been in a, in a situation where, seriously, you're, you're, if God does not come through, it's going to be very bad. I'm only, I can only depend upon the Lord to meet this need. And if he doesn't come through, I'm sunk. Have you ever been in a situation like that? It's distress. It's distress. Being in a very uncomfortable situation. And Paul says, I know what it's like to be in distress. As a matter of fact, just think about the known world of that day. I mean, Paul, look, we take a lot of things for granted. I mean, you know, we don't have to have cash in our wallet to leave here and go get something to eat. We got a, we got a bank card. They'll swipe it, you know, whatever. Go by the ATM, withdraw some money. We live in that kind of society where money's digitally and we take a lot of things for granted. That, the world, it's a lot different. Paul, Paul don't have the luxury of just bringing around a suitcase full of money with him as he travels the world. Because the first time the sun goes down, somebody's going to knock him in the head and he's going to, be the good, you know, he's going to need the good Samaritan because he's going to be the one in the ditch. And, and despite the fact that the, that the Discovery Channel is kind of trying to convince us that the Templar Knights had set up some kind of economy where you could just give your money to them when you showed up on the other side of the world, it would be there and it was buried at Oak Island. That's all a farce, man. That's just a big imaginary fairy tale that somebody made a lot of money on for 10 years. That's not the economy they lived in. That's not the world they lived in. And, and, and so Paul, as he's traveling, he's going to be dependent upon having enough to get me to this next point. And then he's going to trust that the people that are committed to the sharing of the gospel are going to send something for him to help him. So Paul said, I know what it's like to be in distress. Remember, you know, here's a guy floating around in the sea, been bit by a snake. He's on house arrest. He's in, you know can't leave he understands when he says I've been in distress yes you have Paul you have been in distress he says I know what it's like to, to be abased and have nothing and I know what it's like to be full and to abound I know what good times are like and I know what hard times are like and he said and I've been in a situation 
where I've had to be dependent upon God's people to meet a need. And, and we need to understand that. that. That when you don't have to know all God calls us to do is be faithful, to be obedient. And let God do what he needs to do as we're just good stewards of what the Lord's given us. Paul said, I needed it. I had practical needs. I needed resources. And God's people provided. So there's the context to give to share the gospel and the context to give uh, to share with those who plant churches uh, and, and, to sh- and sharing in, that, in the gospel message and giving the deliverer of that gospel message. But then he mentioned something here that on the surface, if we say what it means, it comes across a little odd to us. And we think, well, that's, that's the wrong motivation. Because notice what he says in verse 17. He said, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Now, now what Paul is saying is that as much of a blessing as it was for me to receive that offering, and the fact that it met needs in my life that absolutely needed to be met, he said, the, the greater thing that I was interested in seeing is how God was going to bless you in return for that faithful obedience. That's what Paul's saying. In other words, he's saying this. He's saying what Malachi said. He's saying that when we're faithful to give to the Lord's work and we're to invest in the kingdom work, God replenishes that which you choose to give out. It could be said that you could get it could be said that you can give in order to receive, although when you hear that that sounds a little odd. That's why I say we give to be replenished by the one who owns it all. That's, that We give to be obedient, to be faithful, but understand that God replenishes. And, and I always go back to this analogy. If you look at the Dead Sea, there ain't a whole lot living in the Dead Sea. It's, it's so salty, nothing lives there. Very few things can live there. Not a place where you just want to go vacation at the Dead Sea. But the reason it's known as the Dead Sea is because it doesn't have an outlet. There's water that flows into it, but there's nothing coming out. And so it's a big, gigantic mass of water that becomes really stagnant, extremely salty. And so there's not a whole lot going on there. That is the picture of a believer's heart that has no outlet to God's inlet. And that's why, folks, when we are obedient and we, we, we give and we support and we pour into the Lord's work, folks, it's God, God, He wants a way to keep it flowing. New rivers of blessing. Not a stagnant mass of wealth. Because at the end of the day, none of that is going with us. None of that is. Life, I mean, just what we heard this morning, how quickly does our life change? I mean, we we go from getting up, going to work, making plans, and saying we're going to do this, and we're planning on doing that, and then the next thing you know, you say, hey, I'm going to go to the doctor. I've been having this 
just nagging pain. I just need to get it checked out. I think I pulled something. And then you find out you got some mass growing in your shoulder or something. Our world, that's why the Bible says this life is a vapor of smoke that appears for a little while and it's gone. And, if, and there's not an amount of money that can guarantee you're going to get cured of anything because we ain't in control of that. Not in any way. And you understand this. We know people like this. And if you don't know them personally, we hear the stories. Life's fine today and it's trouble tomorrow. It's mountaintops and it's valleys. It's going in a storm, coming out of a storm, getting ready to go back into one. That's life. And we think, well, we're just going to accumulate all this and it's going to build a hedge around us that's going to keep these things from happening to us. No, it's not. There are people who have tons of wealth and they're miserable. And there are people who have tons of wealth and they die of cancer. They die in car wrecks. They die suddenly. There are no guarantees in this life. And that's why the church is not a bank, a savings account. There's a need to be good stewards, but at the end of the day, the people of God are investing in the Lord's work. And we want to see that invested in the Lord's work. We, we, want, to, we want to see the kingdom of God grow. Sometimes, our, uh, does that mean physical uh, facilities? Sure. But it, but it doesn't mean when the rapture comes, we got millions of dollars in the bank. No, we're, 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 to, we're, to, we're to be good stewards. Uh, if the air condition breaks, we can fix one or six. Because sometimes they're like dominoes. I get it. But when it's all said and done, Your ROI is going to change from day to day unless you're pouring it into heavenly treasures. That return on investment never changes. It never changes. Always going up in its value. You know why? Because the most valuable thing to God is souls, people. Paul says we give because we know God will replenish. He says, because my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We don't understand the fullness of that because to, today we just, it's always about trying to insulate ourselves. And again, I'm, I'm not saying not save money, not have a rain, the rainy day. I'm not saying that. that that's, those are all biblical principles, by the way. Go read through the book of Proverbs. You'll get all that. That's, that's all valuable. That's all good. But Jesus said, Acts 20, verse 35, he said, remember, you know, minister to those who are weaker than you. Have patience with those who are not where you are spiritually. And he says, and always remember what the Lord said. It's better to give than to receive. Don't, don't be that dead sea, that stagnant giver. Be committed to the Lord's work because when we invest in kingdom work, God does some, un he does some unusual things sometimes. There's this little bitty detail that 
Paul inserts in verse 22 that just to me is, is, is unique and it's special. It kind of seems on the surface that it's a little out of context because he says, all the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. Sometimes you wonder, is God working? Sometimes you wonder, is, is God working? And we're told in Scripture, Babby Mason said it best, when you, you, know, you can't see his hand, you trust his heart, right? But you wonder, is God, is God working? And I think Paul included this little caveat here to let the church know that God was saving some souls in some unique places, like Caesar's household. After all, Paul was familiar with it. He was really kind of in a house arrest situation there. And all of the servants that Paul would see in a given day, the soldier that he would be, you know, chained to to have limited movement, didn't stop Paul from sharing the good news of Christ. And that some didn't believe, but some obviously did. And I want to just remind you of this. And just, I hope, encourage you with this. God is at work in our world today. God is. And I find, I find more and more evidence of that today by how desperate our enemy is. Uh, you know, we think about our culture, how the wheels have come off. You, you, you know why? Because the devil is desperate. And I've just, again, you know, to borrow a line from uh, Herb Revis down at uh, North Jacksonville Baptist Church, when the devil's kicking you in the rear, it just beams you out in front. And be encouraged by the reality God's not through working in our world and in our culture today. And don't, don't, let's not give up on that either. Let's keep serving and let's be faithful and let's uh, sow our lives into the kingdom's work. And God's given us the promise that we are going to reap what we sow. And we'll reap more than what we sow and we'll reap longer than that which we say. But be faithful in it because you never know how many out here that maybe we don't think are reachable are reachable and are being reached because of God's people and their faithfulness. God calls us to be obedient. God calls us to be faithful. It is a privilege to give. It is a part of my life as a believer of worshiping the Lord. God's given us those principles in His Word. Now as a church we need to be faithful in doing that. God says test me. God says try me. God says you see. How could we go wrong? <laughs> the King of the universe says trust me. You test me and I'll show you. I'll show you. Let's be faithful to God's call on our life this morning. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the power 
of the Holy Spirit in our life, the privilege, God, to know you as our Lord and Savior, and the privilege to be a part of what, Lord, you have um, going on around our world and, and even in our neighborhoods, Lord. Give us the wisdom and the strength to be obedient, believers, faithful to give. Help us, Lord, in our unbelief. May you be glorified. We love you this morning. And God, we pray that just as you promise of your faithfulness, Lord, and that if we will give, you will replenish. Lord, help us to understand that nobody today is so far lost, so far gone, that through a repentant heart and faith in Jesus Christ, that that person is being saved today. God, give us it's in our heart of hearts, our soul today, to know that if we are not right with you, today we can be right with you. May we call out in faith. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Let's